right, I think we will get going here, but I'll just uh, briefly start by introducing myself. So I'm Adam Weigel, the transit manager for Lawrence Transit. Um, thanks everyone for joining us this afternoon. Uh, we'll have Boris from our consultant at Foursquare walk through the couple of scenarios, uh, pretty much on a route by route type basis. Um, there should be plenty of time as we walk through some of this for, for folks to jump in and ask questions. Um, big picture, I'll just say, we're um, excited to hear your thoughts and, and other people's thoughts throughout the next couple of weeks, few weeks, um, on these couple of draft scenarios. The idea being that uh, the, the best ideas we hear from both, both of these scenarios will be merged into a final recommended scenario that'll come back out to the public. So um, hopefully there's some good ideas on what you see today, but if you see some things you like or don't like or interested in that, help us get towards something that works best for everybody. So with that, I'll turn it over to Boris and take it away. All right, yep, great, thanks so much. I see some folks are still joining us. Um, so we'll take it a little bit slow in the beginning, but um, yeah, as Adam was saying, today we're gonna be presenting um, two, two, different, two scenarios um, on ways to improve transit service in Lawrence. Uh, the two scenarios have some similarities and then lots of differences. Um, we'll be going through route by route. And um, uh, again, these scenarios are not meant to be taken as, as a whole, but rather um, we can mix and match to, uh, once we understand what people like and don't like about each scenario to come up with a final preferred scenario. Um, there's a couple of terms that we'll be using quite a, quite a bit um, through the discussion today. Uh, one of those terms is microtransit and the other is interlining. And um, what I want to do to start out is just show a really quick video about what microtransit is. Um, some folks may have heard the term or not, not quite um, know exactly what it means, but microtransit is a uh, new type, a new model of transit service that's emerged within the last few years. It's a demand response type of transit model, um, but it's very much app-based, kind of like Uber and Lyft. And so I'm going to just show this quick video. It's about two minutes to give everybody an idea of what microtransit looks like um, in the real world. So um, actually, I'm going to I need to stop sharing for a second because I forgot to stop share with sound. So just one second. Okay, share with sound. I think they're the best thing since bacon. Uh, they're on Johnny on the spot. When I need them, they've been available. And that's great. I just need to run to the darn store for one darn thing, and here they are. The other car transport services are too expensive for a senior, you know? So Via, in my opinion, is like an extension to the bus service. Here we have the Yolo bus going by, and they run every hour on the hour. So uh, riders, what they love about us is it's similar to Uber and Lyft, but it's uh, corner to corner, and it gets them to their locations a little bit more conveniently throughout West Sacramento. There are some passengers that absolutely 100% this is their form of transportation. I have to depend on others for transportation, and so many things need to be done during the day when my rides are not available. 
I'm on a mobility scooter and so I'm rather limited as to it's a lot less dangerous, like, especially late at night. Like, if I, I'm a girl alone and I have to walk, like, at 9 o'clock at night, they have, like, the $10 via pass for all week, and you get four rides a day, and that's what I usually do because it's, like, so much cheaper. Sometimes you meet new people on the rides. That's pretty cool. You get to make friends, and um, I, I just really enjoy it. I really hope that it stays. Like, I would die if it didn't um I like if if it went away I would be like on the phone with the mayor like what are you doing I need this back all right so that gives you kind of a bit of an idea of what microtransit looks like we'll be talking about where we are recommending microtransit as we go along um uh, we're going to go through the scenarios route by route uh, using Google Earth. Um, there's a there's a number of layers that I that I have available to kind of turn on and off, toggle on and off to help us um, understand why we're doing certain things. Things like points of interest. Uh, that's you know places, key destinations that routes serve. Um, things like existing ridership. We have that at the stop level. And the the layer that I have on now is called transit potential, and it kind of shows uh, based on density where in the Lawrence area um, there's more or less uh, potential to support uh, fixed route transit service. So the areas that are yellow, orange, and red are higher density, meaning they are more likely to support fixed route service. Areas that are green and gray are lower density. All right, so let's begin. Um, we're going to go through route by route, um, and we can when we look at the routes, we also have the ability to compare them to existing service or um, a route from um, one scenario to the other. So, for example, the orange line here is the proposed route one in scenario in scenario one, and then the blue line is the current route one in scenario one that we can look at. So. Um, Route 1, Scenario 1, operates between downtown and the East Hills Business Park. Um, the main difference from the current Route 1 is that it shifts service from Haskell to Massachusetts, uh, from the Haskell Corridor to the Massachusetts Corridor to serve Dillon's. Um, and then it also is extended from the current end of the line. The current Route 1 serves the, the community shelter and the jail. The proposed Route 1 is extended to also include the East Hills Business Park. Um, that's to sort of create a more uh, mix, uh, a greater mix of uses that this route would support and would generate ridership um, sort of uh, throughout the day based on all of the land uses that it, it serves from residential to um, retail grocery stores to the shelter and the jail and then the East Hills Business Park. Um, this route is proposed for interlining. So interlining is another term I said we'd hear a lot about. So what interlining is, is when a bus um, completes a route, sometimes a bus, instead of returning on the same route, instead you can have a route sort of uh, alternate between two uh, sorry, a bus alternate between two different routes. So in other words, if a bus comes out on route one and that, that route is interlined with route five, then the bus then uh, returns on route five instead of route one. Um, and this is the proposed Route 5, sorry. So, so what that means is, is the bus just changes its head sign once it gets to the end of the line, changes its head sign from Route 1 to Route 5, and then it goes out on Route 5, and then it comes back from Route 5, changes head sign again, and goes back on Route 1. 
That allows for um, clean connections. So for example, if you have a connection point between two routes, um, if they're not interlined, then it, it, it's possible that the buses sort of miss each other and they, you miss a connection. This guarantees that there is definitely no missed connection because it's the same bus. It allows for what's called one seat rides. So a person can stay on a bus. Let's say if the interline happens um, at East Hills Business Park, but a person is trying to get from the 23rd Street corridor to the community shelter um, on Route 5. Once they get to East Hills Business Park, they can stay on, and then that same bus goes to the, to the shelter. Um, and then the last reason to do interlining is sort of a behind the scenes operational reason. Um, sometimes routes aren't quite the right uh, length to provide the service frequency that you're trying to provide on it. So if you can combine two routes of different lengths, you can sometimes achieve a uh, total cycle time that allows for very for more convenient service frequencies. So let's say you want to achieve um, 30 minute frequency on both routes. If the entire cycle takes an hour, then two vehicles on that uh, combined route, two vehicles operating concurrently can operate with 30 minute service frequency on either route. So, so I'll just pause there because I, I know I threw out a lot there, but are there any questions about either the concept of interlining um, or what we're showing here for the proposed Route 1? Okay. If not, then I will move on to the next route. Um, this is Route 3, and I will also show the current Route 3 because it's quite different. The, the current Route 3, is, as you probably know, operates from downtown um, through both the, uh, it sort of all, it, it operates a fairly large one-way loop where part of the route operates on Iowa Street and another on Michigan. Um, and the, the result of that is you have one-way service both on in the Michigan Street corridor and the Iowa Street corridor. Um, so a person trying to get to the Michigan Street corridor may end up having to ride um, out of direction before finally getting to where they, they want to go um, because it's, there's one-way service only. Um, ridership on this route is most concentrated um, south of uh, Lawrence Memorial Hospital or Lawrence Memorial Hospital and points south. Ridership to the north is fairly light. I can uh, bring that up here real quick. As you, as you see, there's fairly light ridership north of the hospital. Um, we believe that in part that's because there is only one-way service north of the hospital. So that really makes for a fairly inconvenient service for um, prospective riders. So what we're proposing um, instead with Route 3 is two, two changes. Um, one change is actually extending the route from downtown to the east to run by the, um, the, the Amtrak station and then down to the 9th Street corridor here where there's um, uh, a lot of sort of new development and redevelopment happening. Um, and then on the other end, running the route from the um, Memorial Hospital down to the new Bob Billings Transit Hub. So, so the idea here is that um, the hospital is fairly easily accessible, both from the downtown, traditional downtown hub, and from the Bob Billings Hub. So anybody that, that makes it to either of these places has fairly direct connection, uh, a direct connection to, to the hospital. Um, areas to the north where the current Route 3 operates, if the Route 3 did not operate there anymore, that could be served by microtransit service. And um, that kind of looks like this. 
Um, the way that we have microtransit envisioned in scenario one is a zonal structure. So there's actually four, uh, four zones um, where people could request a microtransit vehicle on demand. I think I need to turn off this and turn on this. So um, a, a person within the zone could request uh, a microtransit vehicle, um, and then they would be able to use that vehicle within the zone. Um, if they wanted to travel beyond the zone's boundaries, uh, cross, sort of cross-town connection, they would um, connect from the microtransit service to a fixed route, uh, and then potentially you know, transfer to another microtransit service on the other end if they needed to make another connection. But, but that's, uh, we're using microtransit to help fill some gaps. So areas where we're eliminating, proposing to eliminate service, microtransit would remain an option because it essentially covers the entire service area, the entire Lawrence um, transit service area. Okay, any thoughts on route three? So then we will continue to route four. I'll turn these guys off and I'll turn this back on. All right, so route four, um, as shown here, the idea is to uh, consolidate the current route four and route six uh, corridors and alignments and have a single route that begins in North Lawrence and ends at the LMH West campus um, and travels via the Sixth Street corridor and Rock Chalk Park and Walmart and other destinations along Sixth Street. So the idea here is to provide um, direct access for folks from North Lawrence to um, a number of retail destinations, grocery destinations, Walmart and, and medical facilities uh, without having to transfer. Um, the other change here is on in North Lawrence itself, there's a shift of service from the Lion Street corridor here to North Street. And the reason for that is that there's a um, mobile home park on North Street that has, um, we believe some ridership potential, uh, but right now service isn't very convenient for them. So shifting from Lion to North Street may increase ridership there. Any thoughts on that? That is... Route four. Okay. So this is route five. And as I mentioned, it will be interlined with route one. Um, so folks could get to the East Hills Business Park or to the um, jail or community shelter, either from the um, Bob Billings Hub, which is here, or from downtown. You'll see there's a pattern emerging where there Bob Billings Hub is, is kind of being built up as a um, very important hub in, in the, the system. So once you make your way to the Bob Billings Hub, you can make your way to all most key destinations um, in the study area or in the, in the service area. So the primary difference between the current Route 5 and the proposed Route 5, um, other than the fact that it is interlined is the current Route 5 does not serve the Bob Billings uh, corridor or the Bob Billings hub. Instead, the current alignment goes down south on Iowa Street to Walmart and Target and all the retail down there. Um, in, instead, in, uh, one other change is that the current Route 5 heads down into the Haskell campus. Um, and what we're proposing instead is a, a deviation from 23rd Street 
not into the Haskell campus, but rather um, a deviation to serve um, the high concentration of multifamily housing apartment complexes that are located close to Iowa Street, the 23rd and, and Iowa Street intersection. There's quite a bit of housing here. So this provides direct access to, to those folks um, and gets them a one seat ride to the Bob Billings Hub, as well as to the East Hills Business Park, the shelter, the jail, and, and so on. So that's, um, there, there will be other uh, service that's still going to the Iowa, down here to the Iowa Street retail, but, but not, this, not this route. Okay. We can continue to Route 7. So Route 7 is, um, it would actually serve that, uh, all the retail down on south, uh, south side of Iowa Street. Um, Route 7 would operate between downtown and the reserve on West 31st Street. That's um, apartment complex here. The whole idea, the, the aim of this route is to connect the Haskell Avenue corridor where there's a lot of multifamily housing and some low income multifamily housing, Douglas County housing, to, to provide those folks a one seat ride both to downtown and to retail destinations, especially um, down in the South Iowa corridor. So the, the Walmart and the Target, there's also checkers um, right here. So they, these folks would have direct access to retail, to groceries, to connections downtown um, and, and job access opportunities as well, especially uh, retail job access opportunities. This route would also be interlined with Route 11. So this is Route 11. Route 11 would operate from the Bob Billings Hub, um, not quite through the KU campus, but adjacent to the KU campus, probably close enough um, on 19th Street to, for some people to walk into campus. Um, it would head down Naismith Street, again, serve this area south of 23rd that has a high concentration of multifamily housing. And then this route would end at the reserve, but it would interline um, with Route 7. So in other words, if a person comes along this route, once they get to the reserve, that same bus changes its head sign and they have a one seat ride to Target to, and to Walmart and to all the other retail destinations here. And, and uh, similarly, people that come down Route 7, they have a one-seat ride to the Bob Billings Hub via this interline connection. How, how long is that route supposed to take? So from the, the hub to downtown, because that looks like it would be like a good 45-minute ride. Yeah, from the hub to downtown, this is not the only way that a person could get from the hub to downtown. There's another route we'll um, show here in a minute that is a much more direct option. So very few people would ride all, this route all the way around. But the, the reason to do an interline is that on the sort of uh, point at the end of a reroute, it's hard, it's hard to draw the line exactly to say, okay, the market for where people want to go on a particular route ends here. Usually there's sort of a tapering off. So people that ride this route from the Naismith corridor, um, some of them may want to go to Target, some of them may want to go to Walmart, some of them may want to go a little bit further. And it's um, this inner line allows people from both corridors to uh, access destinations that are on on another route's corridor without having to transfer. And, and it sort of helps 
bridge this this transitional zone between two routes where um, the ridership is not like a clean break where okay all the ridership wants to go only to Walmart because some people may want to go a little bit beyond that Walmart to the target and so on. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, I guess I'll just have to wait to see about the other routes because 11, of course, is the big student route. So. Yep, yep. So, right, 11 is a big student route. Um, I, I think that um, many of the students would be coming from the you know, the multifamily housing along along this route, sort of along the Iowa corridor. Um, and they, once they get to the Bob Billings hub, you'll see as we go along, there will be um, quite frequent and uh, a, num a number of routes operating between the hub and campus. So once they make, make their way here, they'll have fast and frequent service to campus, but we'll, we'll get to those routes in a minute. Okay. Um, the next route we'll talk about is Route 9. So Route 9 would operate from South Iowa and, and all these retail destinations we've been talking about to Clinton and Wakarusa. Um, the main difference from the current 9 is that the, the current 9 continues further up the Wakarusa corridor all the way up to um, Free State High School and the Walmart Supercenter through there. This uh, alignment would not do that. It would end um, at Clinton and Wakarusa. And this route is aimed really at connecting folks along the Clinton Parkway uh, corridor and all the apartments south of the Clinton Parkway corridor into these retail destinations. This route would, however, be interlined in this scenario with Route 29, which serves the same residential areas, but instead of taking those residential areas down to retail destinations, instead it takes them to the Bob Billings Hub where they can connect to the university or to downtown. So, so routes would alternate, the buses would alternate between the nine and the 29, the 29 and the nine. Okay. Uh, the next route is Route 10. So um, the current Route 10 looks similar, but a little bit different. The current Route 10 goes all the way downtown. Instead, the proposed Route 10 would end um, on at the Bob Billings Hub. But on the other end, instead of ending at Free State High School and the Walmart Supercenter, um, instead it would extend to LMH West and pick up um, areas of North Wakarusa Drive that have, again, quite a few multifamily housing communities uh, on them. So more ridership opportunities through here that are really not currently being served. So the um, uh, I, I, that's that's really the main the main uh, point of this route is to to provide additional service up here to um, to the multifamily housing. Um, and then again, many connection opportunities at the hub. Okay. Then we have Route 11, which we talked about. Route 27 is the next route. Route 27 is a route that is um, aimed at linking together um, a number of educational institutions in Lawrence. So um, on the south side, you have the Peasley Center here. Uh, then you have Haskell and Nations University here, Lawrence High School, KU, and then ending at the Bob Billings Hub. So 
um, if a person can make their way to the Bobby Links Hub, then they have access to all of these uh, educational institutions. There's also some value in connecting them all together because there is some amount of, um, uh, I guess, cross registration, perhaps is a way to say it. So some people may be at Haskell taking some classes uh, at KU or maybe even at the high school taking some classes at one of the campuses. But this is a, um, a route that's meant to link together all the educational institutions. Next, we have 29, which we talked about already. Okay, the next route is Route 100. So Route 100 is a, um, intended to be a fast and frequent connection between the Bob Billings Hub, uh, KU, and downtown. So it's a fairly simple route that just goes back and forth between these three key destinations. Um, it could potentially operate as what's called a BRT service down the line, bus rapid transit. That's the type of service where you have very frequent service. Sometimes you have specialized vehicles um, that are kind of uniquely branded to, to, to sort of convey that it's a, a very high frequency service. Okay. So the, the next few routes are focused a lot on KU. I guess maybe I'll pause here for a second to see if there's any any comments or questions, I can turn all of the routes that we talked about so far on. Oops. Oops. Oh, I just messed that up. You want to highlight, um, David sent me a message and I was starting to type out a response, but it might be worth talking through it a little bit. Um, could we turn on route four again? Sure. And look up in the area of like Free State and yes. Okay, I'll just. Turn four on. So zoom in kind of that area around there. So I know under this example, we, um, in lieu of the one-way loop that has typically happened from Sixth, Oaks, Overland, Wakarusa, um, we now have the two-way service along that, that area. Um, there are some, um, some good destinations south of 6th Street there with the Dillons and uh, I know there's some dense apartments in Grohan Ridge, name of those. So um, it's one of those trade-offs, right? Between deciding if, you know, there, there's challenges with having one-way loops um, in areas like this. It's also, there's maybe an argument for that. The other piece of it too is that there's an overlaid Microtransit zone service. So it's kind of, you know, as I think as more details come in about microtransit and um, kind of what that service model looks like and where people could go, that that could be a reasonable alternative. Um, I wanted to throw some of that out there and see if, I don't know, David has anything to add or if you had any thoughts or reactions to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you're. You're right um, that there are opportunities. I'll, I'll just turn on the microtransit again and turn this off. So you can kind of start seeing the, bi the bigger picture um, 
in a, in a, on a couple of things. One is you're, you're absolutely right about the um, bi-directional aspect of the, of the service, where th that's one of the design principles that we've tried to implement uh, with all the routes to maximize the bi-directional service. Um, One-way loops tend to be um, inconvenient because it forces out-of-direction travel for, um, for people, um, at least in one, when they're, whether they're coming or they're, or they're going, the, route, the current route four um, it, actually, was it current route three? Sorry, current route three is, was an example of a large one-way loop that really just never resonated with with riders. So we're trying to reduce uh, one-way loops to the greatest extent possible, and they're in some places unavoidable based based on um, the roadway network. So there are some travel patterns that force one-way service and it's a bit unavoidable but for the most part we've tried to make every single route bi-directional um, when you make a route bi-directional it means that if you and if you come to a destination let's say you come to the walmart to go back all you do is cross the street so every route every bus stop has its opposite bus stop simply on the other side of the street so it makes it a very simple navigation process um, versus trying to remember you know, where you, you catch the bus or having to ride uh, out of direction before you get to go back to, to where you're coming from. Um, this also shows kind of how the microtransit and fixed route network work together. So again, if you, if you have a zone structure for, for the microtransit service, you can use microtransit for local trips. But if you want to take a further trip, you may end up sort of being fed into um, uh, in this case, Route 6 for a trip downtown. And from there, you can connect to other routes. Um, but th the two work together. And the microtransit trips are intended to be fairly short trips um, because microtransit works best when there's a lot of turnover um, and the trips aren't very long, but rather people are constantly sort of, you know, boarding, alighting, boarding, alighting, so you can get more, more people through um, in a given hour. Um, Joe, you had a comment or a question? Yeah, this may or uh, may not be taken into account, but um, it, it, it would seem to make sense to have the microtransit zones all converge on the hub so that you could get a ride to the hub from which you could get a ride anywhere else pretty much in the city except for Route 4. Um, has that been considered at all? Uh, yes. So we, so you mean the Bob Billings hub? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in this case, that's sort of how this is um, kind of intended to work. So the Bob Billings hub is right at the intersection of basically three of these zones. Um, and the intent is, you know, you, it would be a point where people could make connections. Um, it's not drawn exactly that way. It's the, the exact details are still being worked out. But, but yes, every one of the zones is intended to have some sort of you know, major hub in it. So whether it's the downtown mm -hmm. hub or the Bob Billings hub, um, every one of these zones, we want to create opportunities to allow people to transfer to fixed route service. The microtransit should be complementary of fixed route service without necessarily competing against or cannibalizing the ridership of the, fix, of the fixed route service. So um, so you're absolutely right. The, the hub would be served by, um, in this case, three, and then downtown would probably would be served by by two by two of the zones. This also, well, oh, well, sorry, I just ahead. add, yeah, I just add because this is a I think a conversation I've been having with some different people um, as we've been out doing outreach where uh, 
I, I think as we clarify details about microtransit, it'll talk with people about that more. It, um, it will make a, a great deal of difference exactly how long people have to wait to get a microtransit vehicle, um, how, uh, how challenging that is to do, either through an app or through a phone call. We want that process to be very smooth and easy. Um, because I, I think that a goal would be that in places that um, fixed route service would no longer serve, but would instead be served by microtransit, we don't want that experience to be worse. We don't want it to be harder, longer wait, that sort of thing. So um, I think that's a piece, I, I think, uh, maybe I don't always have like that explicit conversation with people, but that might be in folks' heads is that, you know, that the fixed route service that I'm used to, I know exactly how that works. And this on-demand service, if that's my only option or a new option, is it as good? Is it as simple to access? Um, and, and I think we got clear, a lot of work to do right there. I wasn't clear, is that going to um, go from fixed points as well, or is that coming to your house or wherever you are? It, so microtransit operates in, in, in different, there's a few different ways that you can operate it. Uh, one way is called curb to curb, where it's literally to your house and then to your final destination. Another approach is called corner to corner. Um, it, that means that once you make your reservation, um, Joe, have you ever used Uber or Lyft? Yeah, not very much though. <laughs> not much, but so microtransit is, is dispatched in the very, the interface is very similar to Uber and Lyft. So you, you do it through usually an, uh, an app on your phone or your tablet, although a call-in option also exists. But once you make that res, the, the booking through through your app, the app will let will tell you meet your driver at the end of your block. So the aim of that is to improve the um, hourly productivity of the service, rather than having vehicles go into every cul-de-sac, you know, every residential street. Instead, people walk a block or half a block to meet it, um, mm -hmm. to, to allow it to be more productive in terms of trips per hour. Um, both of those are. Um, approaches that are that are in use in different places now. Um, with microtransit, also every user creates a profile. So if a person in their profile has that they are disabled, for example, then they may have the ability to get a, a curb to curb trip, whereas somebody else may be corner to corner. I'm also realizing the way I had the chat set up, people could only chat me, so I changed that so it comes everyone now, but I'll just highlight another good question comment from David about um, asking if, if microtransit is essentially T-Lift that everyone is eligible for um, and would it's, it be more expensive than, than fixed route? It's similar to T-Lift. Um, the difference between T-Lift and microtransit is the um, immediacy, I guess, of it and with T-Lift you do have to book in advance um, and then you do have to kind of negotiate a pickup time and be um, available within a window. Um, I believe it's a 30 minute window. Is that right for, for T-Lift? So yeah, so with microtransit, it's uh, much more conducive to um, uh, trips, sort of spontaneous trips. So just like Uber and Lyft where you decide, okay, I, I need to go to the store, grab a gallon of milk. You just go on the app in real time, reserve the trip, in real time, you see where the vehicle is, and you're you can follow it as it comes to you, and then you just go outside, you know, just in time as it arrives. So it's it's a much more responsive model because it makes use of the evolution in technology that that is now available, and most people have, you know, most people have smart devices now. As far as the fares go, 
Um, it's a good question. So um, microtransit fares are set by the, the public, who, who, whatever public entity is um, overseeing the service. And so the fares will be set by Lawrence Transit or KU or, or, or both, and they can set those fares as they wish to set them. So it's sort of a uh, fair policy is often used to incentivize certain things. So if you want to incentivize, for example, fixed route service, you may set the fares for microtransit to be a little bit higher than fixed route service. You can also do that geographically. So if you're within, let's say, a half mile of a fixed route, maybe microtransit trips within a half mile buffer of a fixed route would be a little bit more expensive. But if you're in an area with no other service, then maybe the fares are are lower and comparable to fixed route service. So there's the, the fares haven't been determined yet, but my point is that the fares are a reflection of policy decisions and prioritization that the agency would like to um, sort of push one way or the other. Compare, one other thought about that is compared to um, Uber and Lyft, which microtransit operates very much like Uber and Lyft. The difference though, is that fares for microtransit are far more predictable and far more affordable than Uber and Lyft. With Uber and Lyft, you have distance-based pricing, and then you also occasionally have surge pricing. So you don't actually know what you'll be charged until your trip is complete. With microtransit, even if you have distance-based pricing, which we will talk about in scenario two. Um, if you have distance-based pricing, it's something like, let's say $2 for the first three miles and then maybe 50 cents for every mile after that. And you'll know in advance as you're booking your trip, as you put in your destination, you'll know in advance, this trip will cost me three to $5, $3 or $5, whatever the distance you're traveling versus Uber and Lyft where you just really don't know until, until you're done. In scenario one, we're um, kind of envisioning uh, flat fares, but flat fares limited to this, these zonal restrictions. Um, in scenario two, which we'll talk about later, instead we have a single coverage zone for the entire city and distance-based pricing. So in both cases, the aim is to limit the length of microtransit trips so that they're not so long that vehicles are out of service and, and sort of unproductive, but rather sh a, a series of shorter trips so you can have more trips per hour. One, right. one thing I might highlight from what you said, Boris, just from our like Lawrence Transit perspective is we're, we do not want to disadvantage people who just don't live close to a fixed route, right? So um, you know, we want people to have access to the transit system. In some cases that might be through microtransit. So it would be the intention not to um, penalize people at the fare box uh, who just may not live close to where a fixed route is. So that'll guide some of our decision making. There's also the possibility of implementing um, just one of these zones or some subset of one of these zones um, in the short term and, and then others over time. I mean, we, we split the entire Lawrence Transit Service area up into zones, but um, th this zone in particular has maybe more areas that are currently covered, but would not be in in the scenario being proposed. So, you know, maybe this northern zone would be the first one to be implemented as a, as a pilot, as a trial, um, and then others could follow. So the, we're still, again, these scenarios are still a bit fluid. We're just trying to get um, people's uh, opinions and, and, and thoughts on these things. All right, so let's move on then to the KU area. 
and service to KU. So let me turn off the microtransit service. All right, we'll start with um, Route 34. So this is the Route 34 here. Um, it would operate between um, West, the West 7th Street corridor up here, where you have uh, concentration between 6th and 7th Street of multifamily housing. A lot of students live up there. It would uh, operate between there and the West 25th Street corridor down here, which we've talked a lot about already, where, again, you have a high concentration of uh, campus, off-campus housing. Um, so this route really combines uh, several existing KU-focused routes, so Route 34, Route 41, and Route 38. Um, it, it creates a longer route than any of those three, and but by having a longer route, it allows more flexibility in scheduling uh, in order to provide the right frequency of service at, at the right time of the day to um, ensure that right, the, the service being provided is in line with demand. But um, from these two ends of the line, which are mostly residential, you have service through the remote, you know, remote parking areas, through the heart of campus, the union, and then um, out to the other uh, residential area. So any, any questions on that? Hey, Boris, this is Quiz. I just wanted to add that I know, um, I think we've discussed this a little bit, but there is currently discussion going on right now about uh, the park and ride areas and you know maybe public-private partnerships being developed uh, in some of those areas right in there where that cursor's at. So I don't know, you know what the future of that looks like. There's a lot of big dogs at KU that are more privy to that information than we are at this time, but you know that that could ultimately maybe affect, you know, how that that lines up right now. Mm -hmm. So just a quick FYI for everybody. Sure. Okay. So that's um, Route 34. Next, we'll talk about 36. So 36, um, the alignment for 36 is quite similar to the current Route 36. The main difference is an extension from the current end of the line um, down to the Bob Billings hub. So the, currently the route ends along the 6th Street corridor. Um, in this scenario, it also heads down to the hub. So if you're in the 6th Street corridor, you would have essentially two ways into campus, um, one direct, one seat ride like, like this, another with a transfer um, with you know, frequent service from Bobby Links, the Bobby Links hub. Um, it also just uh, creates an option for people from the Bobby Links hub to get up to the 6th Street corridor. There's service on Castle here as well. Um, I think we've had some debate on if that, that corridor should or shouldn't have service, but in this scenario, it, it does. So any, any thoughts on that? Okay. The next route we'll talk about is Route 41. So this is a route that operates between um, the between Becker Drive, which is this circle here that Quiz was just talking about with these um, park and ride lots and the Union. Um, the route also come, serves Stewart Street here. Th this weird sort of zigzag uh, alignment is because 21st Street is not signalized. So it's not 
really feasible for buses to cross from here to get to Becker Drive. So instead, we have service coming through here to pick up the Stewart Street apartments, um, the 19th Street, and then up through Naismith Drive near the rec center, um, and then through the heart of campus, Jayhawk Boulevard, and then ending um, serving the union. Any thoughts on that one? Compared to the current, the, the main difference between the current Route 41, and there's a few differences, but one big difference is that the current 41 does not serve the union. Um, instead, it does a, a one-way loop um, through um, Sunny, uh, sorry, it goes Sunny Sunnyside Avenue to Sunflower to Jayhawk. So it's a one-way loop that way. Um, so th this would extend instead to the union. So is there actually going to be a stop at uh, Naismith and Irving Hill so that people can get out and walk to ISB and Burge Union if they need to? Uh, yeah, the recommendation would be to put stops um, as close as possible to Naismith and Sunnyside and Naismith and Irving Hill. So this is Margreta DeFries. We have bus stops there. It's just that this route would use existing stops. Yep. But uh, um, it's, a, it's a good question because Sunnyside, for example, you know, if, it, if this route were not to go down Sunnyside, this would be the closest access point to the destinations along Sunnyside. So either from Jayhawk Boulevard, people could come down or from Naismith, they could come over to, to Sunnyside this way. Okay. So this is the 42 route. It actually is fairly similar to the 41 in that it also serves the union. Um, it also it, it's, it has more direct access to the rec center. So it comes through here um, and then it ends at the Bob Billings hub rather than um, the park and ride lots here. So 41 and 42 sort of, like I said, they're similar, but serve different markets. Maybe one serves the park and ride folks. Um, the other one serves people making connections at the Bob Billings hub. So this does uh, operate along Irving Hill Road and then down uh, 18th Street to the rec center. And then it has the same alignment as the 41 going to the union. Okay. And then the last route in scenario one is the 43, which is um, identical to the current 43. So no, no change there. Um, it's a pretty strong route. It connects the Irving Hill and Daisy Hill area to the heart of campus um, and the Jayhawk Boulevard and the Union. Um, so no changes to this route. Okay, so that is um, scenario one. Now, any questions before we move on to scenario two? You see one from Elizabeth in the chat about expected time for, you mean um, like Frequency, Elizabeth, like how often the bus would come? Um, yeah, I, beforehand, Route 41 was like, well, the, on the, the most high time of, of classes, it was every 15 minutes. But what is the expected new loop uh, for 
for the proposed 41. So we haven't yet um, assigned service characteristics to these routes. We're focusing first on coverage and then, and then we'll focus on frequency, but a route like 41 um, would, would likely have a very similar uh, service frequency to the current Route 41. Um, it's you know a KU focused route, so those routes generally have high frequency during uh, peak periods. So um, I would expect it to be uh, virtually the same as the current Route 41. Um, I'm wondering, you said that there was going to be a frequent service between KU and the Bob Billings Transit Center, but I'm not seeing a bus that does that. Is that just going to be something separate or? No, so that's um, the this route here, the Route 100. So the Route 100 goes from the Bob Billings Hub through the 15th Street Corridor, Jayhawk Boulevard, um, the Union, and then goes through downtown and back. So this is the connection between downtown and KU. Yeah, I guess I'm just concerned because unless that goes like, you know, every five minutes or so, like you're kind of stranding international students, um, you know, from getting out to Walmart and that kind of stuff without adding another, you know, 10, 15 minutes to their trip each way um, because they have to go out to the transit center and then go down to Walmart and the trip's already like a half an hour and I'm guessing it's not going to be much shorter from the transit center down to Walmart. Um, so I guess, you know, like, I mean, you're, you're talking about an hour and a half that they have to do spend traveling um, to go down to Walmart and back. Hey, Mindy, sure. this is, this is quiz. We've, um, we haven't talked about this really in our big group, but I know Margaret and I've had conversations about what that looks like going back and forth. And it may mean that we have a little shuttle going back and forth from the, the transit hub and just, you know, dropping off at uh, Daisy Hill or dropping off at Jayhawk Towers to catch one of the circulators. Um, it may mean that there's just something maybe a little quicker thing going up to Cayo Water Fountain and just, just does a little quick loop from Cayo to the transfer hub, Cayo to transfer hub. We, we recognize that. We just haven't quite figured out what that might look like yet. Okay. Is there going to be a lot of parking out at the Bob Billings Hub? The no. current, yeah, the current plan for the Bob Billings Hub is not for it to be a park and ride type facility. Because um, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious because like, you know, you have a lot of routes that are going out to these apartments, but they're not really going to campus very directly. Um, and I'm wondering if that's going to help um, you know, because like we have a parking problem on campus, it's a major problem. You can't ever find spots, um, you know, especially in the student areas. So like it would be great if some of these alleviated some of that parking problem, but um, if they're not going directly to campus, I have my doubts. Yeah. Well, so some of the routes, like this 34, for example, this is intended to provide direct service through campus for, for folks that live in some of the most high density student housing, off campus student housing areas. So, you know, the area along here on the 25th Street corridor, 23rd, 24th, 25th, on this area here, as well as the 6th and 7th Street corridor. So, this route does provide direct access uh, to campus. Um, as far as the Walmart goes, so there would be two routes that from the Bob Billings hub 
the, the Route 100 would be a, a very high frequency service. So I'm not sure about every five minutes, but likely every 10 minutes is 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 quite reasonable. Um, so you know you'd have fast and frequent connections from campus to the Bob Billings hub. From there, you could connect to one Walmart or to the other Walmart. This this one would be through an inner line, of course. But um, there, you know, the, all all of the key destinations around. Uh, all the retail, all the key retail destinations would be served um, quite easily from the Bob Billings hub, and then there would be fast connections to campus. So, hey, Mindy, yeah. this is Quiz again. I'd love. I, I know you mentioned parking. I'd love to chat with you about you know challenges, any ideas or suggestions you have. I know lot 90s are one lot that obviously the yellow commuter that's busting at the yeah. seams it seems like but we also have just three minutes away a three minute walk we have uh three or four other yellow commuter lots i think the students just look for convenience sometimes try to get that front door parking instead of you know maybe taking another minute or two um and finding the other open lots but if you have any other suggestions or you know comments on that i'd love to kind of pick your brain on that to, to get some ideas from you too. Okay. I mean, I think a lot of it is maybe that, you know, like I've been here on campus for five years and I'm not sure where the other yellow lots are. I mean, granted, I haven't really looked at them, but, you know, I also drive a van around for our international students a lot too. So, you know, maybe they're just, I don't know. <laughs> you, but Mindy, um, you have a really good perspective. So for the international students, Tell me, what is the, wh where is the concentration of international students? You said they want, they want to go to, to Walmart. I mean, um, where it, are they living? It depends. I mean, like a lot of them live on campus, but they also live, you know, down um, like at the Connection and, you know, obviously at Meadowbrook, which shouldn't be a problem because that's really close to, you know, the Bob Billings Hub and stuff. But there's a lot of them in, in all of the ones like down on south of 23rd Street, Mm -hmm. um, all those apartment complexes, not those central ones. Most of them are not in those ones. They are the ones like a little bit further out, the reserve, the connection, you know, right down by Walmart, which some of them have their own buses. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a, you know, there's a ton of international students that don't or can't afford their own cars in, you know, really use transit. Um, so just like, you know, for them, I mean, some of them are, you know, willing to take the bus just because they don't have any choices, you know, but like just extending the, the trip to a 40 minute trip is really concerning. Um, and I mean, yeah. I don't know exactly how long that blue line is going to be the number 11, I guess it is, but I'm guessing at least 30, <laughs> maybe <Yeah>. 20. <laughs> you mean from, you mean from campus to, to the yeah, I mean, if you're just getting, you know, going down to Walmart or, I mean, if they mm -hmm. live in down in there at the connection or the reserve or wherever, um, you know, it's going to take them quite a while to get to campus. Um, and, Mindy, I, and Mindy, I think that's one thing we need to consider still too, as a group, you know, some of those off campus routes go directly from an apartment complex directly mm -hmm. to KU. That strategically is just how it's been. Right. And now we're trying to strategically go from off campus locations to a hub and then to KU and mm -hmm. and that can be that may be a challenge and we may need to consider you know what um you know are there other alternatives for that from at least from the student population and more specifically yeah. the international students well and i think so, it would be really beneficial to look at which apartment complexes have their own shuttle because you know then you could kind of really concentrate on the ones that don't 
um, because there are there are a lot of international students down you know closer to the Walmart area or you know like I'm over by um, Wakarusa Inverness area and there's you know like along um, just south of 23rd there's a lot of international students there too and yeah over mm -hmm. in that route um, this is yeah. Mark Greta DeFries from mm -hmm. Transportation Services. Is there an avenue through which we could help promote the survey that's going along with this information out to international students that I could work with you on next week? To yeah, make probably. Sure that they have a um, chance to see it and react to it so that we get all of their input too? I think it would be good if we can get Tiffany Learned involved on this because um, she hasn't been able to make a lot of the meetings before because she's just been really busy. Um, Why don't you um, and I set something up for next week then? Okay, yeah, because get on that. She would have even a better perspective than I do because she works with like we have you know our certain population, and I'm aware of the other international students, but I don't have as good a knowledge as she would about you know where they live and what they need to do. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that would probably be a good idea, Margareta. Yeah. I'll send you a note. I will have to say that it was probably operator error, but when the first email came out to take the survey and to look at the proposed, I had a very difficult time trying to find what the proposals were, were even. And so I backed out of it completely and didn't even go on to do the rest of the survey because I was under the impression, I was like, how can I answer any questions if I can't even find what the proposals are? So <laughs> I yeah, will admit I, it was probably operator error on my part, but if I had problems with it, I guarantee you other people had problems with it too. Yeah, I know the most recent one. That's why I'm here because I couldn't access those things. And, you know, I've just been a part of this from the beginning, so I wanted to come anyways. But, um, you know, I think, you know, for international students also, we need to cons consider that, you know, their language skills are oftentimes not able to kind of digest this whole thing um, it's a lot for them to figure out so maybe you know trying to make something more simplified um, that would focus you know something yeah. for them would be helpful I don't know if that's possible or not or feasible even if it's possible we're um, planning a couple of more tabling events uh, in Jayhawk Walk and the Union in the next two weeks we don't okay. have dates or time set for those yet but once I have those I can also send those to encourage students to come see it in person and talk to us about it. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a listserv that goes out to all international students um, once a week. So we can definitely, you know, get stuff on that um, as long as we know about them in advance. Um, so yeah, that's a possibility. Yeah. I'd be more than happy to hold a session like this for international students as well. If you guys want to organize something like that, I'd be more than happy to talk them through it because ultimately we, I think, share the same goals as, as you, Mindy. Um, we want to have the most direct service possible between areas with high concentrations of riders, in this case, international students, and places where they want to go. So if we're not achieving that, uh, I think we actually are in, in either this scenario or the next. We, we haven't talked about the next scenario yet, right. but um, these routes, they look 
maybe a little bit overwhelming, but they are fairly direct, like from the reserve to campus. This doesn't go you know, directly into campus right. in this scenario, although in the next scenario, you'll see it does. But you know, in the 19th, 19th Street gets you close. Some people may find that close enough to walk. Right. Um, other people may choose to go to the Bob Billings Hub and then catch uh, a, a bus that would be among the various buses that go from Bob Billings into campus. You know, it would be five minute service, some more direct, some going to the south of campus, some going to the north of campus, but there would be very fast and frequent service between campus and the KU hub. Um, I mean, I was, I'm interested, um, Quiz, you mentioned, you know, some shuttles from here to key destinations. What would those additional, where would those additional shuttles go? Um, what, what's, what are the missing links here? We don't know, but you're, well, you're hearing from Mindy, the missing link is getting students directly to campus in a shorter amount of time. And so, again, I think what we just need to be cognizant of on the KU side of things is the, you know, if there's a route, like say, for example, the blue route, that's now, that's not going directly through campus and it is causing more time. It, mm -hmm. it just, it just will. Mm -hmm. And so from a student perspective, that's not going to be as convenient. And so what we need to outweigh is we're, we're trying to get all of our routes to, to kind of coordinate up with the hub. That mm -hmm. totally makes sense. We may have to do one or two that don't coordinate with the hub, or we need to figure a way to have a little quick shuttle back and forth to get folks from the hub to campus. And it could look like, like I said, dropping folks off at Daisy Hill to then they catch a circulator. It could look like we're, you know, going all the way through and doing a quick drop off at Kyle Water Fountain. So it gets them much closer to the middle of campus instead of 19th Street. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, 19th Street to Kyle Fountain, that's that's 15 minute difference. Right. In a, with a walk, right. you know, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what I, <laughs> what I would suggest is let's go through scenario two. You may you may find the scenario two um, meets the needs of foreign students in particular a little bit better, and um, let's discuss because we I think it would be a shame to go through this whole exercise of redesigning the entire transit network and then also having to do overlays um, on top of that because there are missing gaps. I think this is the opportunity to identify those missing gaps and to to address them. Hopefully, I mean that's that's what I I, I hope ultimately we, we yeah. do address all well, those missing gaps. Well, it would be, but that's what microtransit also is in essence yeah, we're yeah. we're overlaying service over fixed route to cover the gaps sure you know yep um okay so let's talk about scenario two real quick or some before we get into it i know we need to get into scenario two but um just that david's question in the chat about routes operating year-round i don't know if you or quiz want to address that at all i know i mean they're i, I think the thing I would say in general is that that's a big one. The, res the resources that the university puts into the system using student fees, the resources that the city puts into the system are probably are, are expected to remain the same level. It's just about how we distribute those resources. So it may be that we could find a way on some future coordinated routes to uh, spread out that that service so it happens throughout the year. Um, but I think that's that's coming as we start assigning uh, where our dollars go for revenue. Out. Yeah, really good point. I think Quiz kind of hit on it too uh, in his statement that uh, microtransit is sort of meant to bridge gaps, and that could be part of the solution. So if you had a route 
um, like the 34, let's say, that is an important route to the KU community. But then there, it also does serve these multifamily housing um, areas that, you know, maybe graduate students live there. Maybe they, they need to get to campus year round. If that route goes away, the idea is that microtransit would hopefully be a service that that would operate year round so um, a person that lives in on you know 7th street or 25th street if that route goes away they could u- utilize microtransit in its place which is um, usually a lower cost option uh, operationally anyway um, to provide service where fixed route service is not justifiable mm. because there's there's a point of diminishing return both but time of day and day of the year when it just doesn't make sense necessarily to continue operating fixed route service. Just the ridership declines to the point where you say, okay, does it really make sense? But microtransit helps fill that gap. Um, and, and so that's part of the vision as well. Yeah. And David, just real quick, um, you know, uh, from the, uh, you know, KU's portion of the, the, the funding that comes from the student government, that comes from the required campus fees, uh, those we don't anticipate an increase in those dollars. As a matter of fact, if anything, um, you know, we may be looking at decreases in that. So, you know, the, the, that's the golden question. Will the routes that KU have been kind of servicing from the student perspective, will those maybe be year round? If we could do that, it may mean that instead of buses being 30 minute headway, it may mean that they're one hour headway. Right. Um, it may mean uh, less frequency to try to get something year round. Um, that is a scenario. It's not the only scenario, but that just to tell you, I don't anticipate our funding dollars increasing from a student perspective. Yeah, I think this is a really important question for at least my particular unit um, um, in inter- international affairs, because we have the majority of our student groups come in during the summer. And this has always been a huge issue for us is not having the buses on campus during the summer and, you know, basically being reduced to the number 11 and it coming at, you know, like an hour interval. Um, You know, it's definitely, you know, we're, we're not the biggest population during the summer. We're a fairly big population. Sometimes we have four groups and we're looking at, you know, 100, 150 students um, and we're looking at ways at growing, but you know, if all the KU routes, you know, go away during the summer as they typically do, um, and all the, you know, the, the city routes are mostly just going to the service center, this is definitely going to be an issue um, to think about. And thank you for whoever brought it up. Okay. Are there any more um, chat comments, Adam, that I should address? I don't believe so, but I'll keep my eye on it. Okay. All right, so let's move on to scenario two. Um, and let me turn off this. Okay, in scenario two, we are also envisioning um, microtransit, but in a, slight, in a different way. Um, it would be a citywide zone that would incorporate distance-based pricing, as I mentioned earlier. So if it's a short trip, it would be a flat fare of let's say two dollars maybe um, and then as you go further away then you add additional cost um, maybe past three miles or or so um, there's also a kind of an overlay for uh, the can ku area um, that would also be a, a microtransit overlay but it would allow for um, higher service frequency potentially later service hours to meet the um, 
uh, sorry, not service frequency, but rather um, shorter wait times and longer hours than maybe is justified in the rest of the of the Lawrence community, um, but could be justified in and around uh, KU. So that's that's kind of the first piece there. Um, as far as the routes themselves go, so we'll start with Route 1. So Route 1 differs a little bit from the Route 1 in Scenario 1, um, a couple of key differences. Um, so let me bring up my Scenario 2. So the, the service is shifted um, from has, uh, sorry, do I have my right notes? So in, in Scenario 2, you're operating between downtown and the Lawrence community. Uh, shelter. So there isn't the there isn't the connection to the East Hills Business Park, and there isn't the inner line that we talked about in Scenario One. So it, it's just closer access to the shelter. Um, the, in this scenario, Route One continues down Massachusetts uh, Street and and hits uh, the Haskell campus. So um, Haskell is directly served here and connected into downtown uh, on Route One this way. That's route one. Um, the route three, in this scenario, it kind of reverts a little bit back to um, similar to the current route three, but in, in this scenario two, it's interlined with route six, which is this route here. And the idea here is that these two these two routes are interlined both downtown in downtown Lawrence and on the north end um, in the industrial zone on um, north of 1800 Road. And so by interlining these two routes on both ends, it allows for bi-directional service both in the Michigan corridor and the Iowa corridor. So a bus coming north on the Michigan corridor um, where there's a lot of multifamily and, multi and uh, mobile home parks, um, a bus coming north once it gets to the end of the line, changes head sign and comes back on Route 6. So it would go down the Iowa Street corridor serving um, the, the Hallmark facility. Um, and then vice versa, a, a bus going northbound on Iowa Street would come south uh, along uh, the Route 3. And so both of these corridors would have bi-directional service. And that's something that's currently lacking. And both of them would converge at LMH Health. So um, you do have the, the the highest ridership corridor is served by both the Route 3 and the Route 6 in this scenario. And then they diverge, come back together and they're in their interlined um, to provide bi-directional service on both corridors. That may have been a bit confusing, but hopefully people got that. Okay. So next we have Route 4. Um, route 4 is similar to the existing Route 4. So instead of uh, connecting North Lawrence um, along the 6th Street corridor to points west, instead it's an extension of the current alignment down to the Bob Billings hub. So it still serves the Merck Co-op, but then it continues further south and ends at the Bob Billings hub. Um, and that's uh, the primary difference from the current Route four, one other, one other dif dis difference to note is the shift of service from Lyon Street to North Street, um, just as we talked about in scenario one. Okay. Now, Route five. Route five in this scenario is very similar to in scenario one, except it also dips down into the Haskell campus. 
and it is no longer interlined with route one. So it's a standalone route in this case. Route six, we just talked about. Route seven. Okay, so route seven is again, kind of similar to in scenario one where we connect the Haskell Avenue corridor down to the uh, retail in South Iowa corridor. Um, but there's a shift in, in service um, to um, 11th Street to allow for closer access to just food. So um, this is shifting service um, from the previous version of the route that looked like this. Um, it was operating on 13th Street. Instead, we're shifting it to 11th Street to get closer to just, to just food. So that's Route 7. In this scenario, Route 7 is interlined, but it's interlined with um, Route 9 in a slightly different way. So we heard about the importance of connecting um, Lawrence Avenue and neighborhoods along Lawrence Avenue to Lawrence High School. And so that is achieved here by through an interline at the reserve. So people that come in on Route 9 can stay on the bus and then they can continue out on Route 7 and have a one seat ride to Lawrence High School. Um, route 9 in this scenario uh, operates along Wakarusa, all along Wakarusa, where in scenario one we had a gap. There was no, there was no service in parts of Wakarusa um, in scenario one. Here that service is restored. Um, and here Route 9 does serve the new apartments, the multifamily housing communities um, north of 6th Street along Wakarusa, and then it serves Rock Chalk Park and the LMH West Campus. All right. Uh, Route 10. Route 10 here is um, similar, a little bit different than Route 10 in scenario one. In scenario one, we had service in Wakarusa, which would be served by Route 9 in scenario two. So that goes away in, in Route 2. Um, and we instead shift service to 6th Street and then down uh, Castle, down to Bob Billings. The 6th Street service is meant to make up for the change that we talked about earlier on Route 4, um, where Route 4 would not continue out on the 6th Street corridor as it does in scenario one. Um, instead, it, it dips down to the Bob Billings Hub. So this is um, the Route 10 in Scenario 2. All right. Now, I think here's where it's going to get interesting for this audience, because we're going to be talking a little bit more about KU access. So um, Route 11 in this scenario um, is a route that is interlined with a proposed sorry, Boris, route. I just, oh. just before we move on, I just see um, a new asked about a question about Route 10. So uh -huh. go ahead and chime in. Okay. Yes. So I see this, the Route 10 has been modified completely. So there were two questions. They were, I was wondering about what is Bob Billing Hub means? Like, is it a new bus stop? Yeah. Adam, do you want to address that? Yeah, I can, can you hear me? That new, yeah, I can, I can speak to that anew. So, um, can you hear me? Yes. yes. Okay. So we I was wondering, like, I'm a KU student, and uh, I was wondering, is the Bob Billing Hub is like the new bus stop? 
Yeah, so I can explain that a little bit. So yeah. for it's yeah. so where is that bus stop exactly? I can see so the I think the eleven and ten both starts at the same bus stop, something looks like. Right. So um for about a decade, so, um our transit system has been operating out of um, most bus transfers happening downtown. Okay. And um there has not been a permanent location for bus transfers to occur. Uh-huh. And, it, and it hasn't been very central. So um, we are planning for a new transfer center at Bob Billings and Crestline mm-hmm. um, that will be a place where um, up to eight buses at a time can transfer between mm-hmm. different routes. Mm-hmm. There will be an actual facility with restrooms, customer service, lobby, oh. that sort of thing. Okay. So it's not a place that exists today, but we're planning on that being ready to go in August of next year, which is oh. when which is when these routes would um, would begin. Okay, okay. So the the thing is, I just saw that the route and has been completely modified, like it, it either going towards completely from the Bob Billings to Wakarusa and then going towards the Sixth Street. It's I think it's modified from the castle. So it is taking a right turn on the castle and then going to the Sixth Street. So are there any buses that goes come straight to Wakarusa Drive from Bob Billings Wakarusa Drive anymore? Um, so there wouldn't be a bus that travels just along Bob Billings to to Wakarusa Drive. Um, is, is that? Yeah. Let me bring up. Mm-hmm. Because if you see on the 15th and Vakarusa, we have our KU lab, which is the Center for Environmentally Beneficial Catalysis or the Life Sciences. So if you point towards, uh, I don't know which, uh, oh yeah, uh, is this Vakarusa? Yeah, if you see on this side, 15th and Vakarusa, there is a research, uh, Life Sciences Research Building just at the intersection over here. If you click down, if you take it a little down, or is he uh, talking about southwest of the corner? Yeah, Bob this one. That's what, Wakarusa, yeah, it, which it's is opposite, a KU research yeah, yeah, this one. Yeah, this one. This arrow. Yeah. So this is our lab, which is the Life Sciences Research Lab, which is a chemical engineering research lab, basically. And a lot of PhD students and master's students and undergrads work here. And we always heavily rely on the bus stand to go to, go to and fro to the campus because several reasons. First of all, we attend our classes. So we go and come back. We go to the campus for central facilities, thing like NMR lab, electron microscopy lab, or workshops and several things. And this is our fastest route to go and come back mm-hmm. to and to do our research work or whatever. And because the campus is like, they charge for parking. So we all mm-hmm. take the buses to go. And I just saw that it is being completely removed. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's going to be very difficult <laughs> for us to uh, go to campus, like even if we try to take the ninth and then go towards 31st and then take 11, it's going to take like an hour, more than an hour or like, yeah. or so, depending on how the bus matches. So yeah, um, Anub, did you um, did you see the presentation of scenario one or did you just jo- join us recently? Uh, oh, I just joined now because we, I had okay. a meeting before this. So that's why I thought. I see. So in scenario one, there mm-hmm. is service um, on the route, the route 10, there's two versions of route 10, two different scenarios. Uh-huh. Um, what you saw is this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
Huh? This 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 was the first scenario. So yes. it connects to the Bob Billings Hub, and then okay. there will be fast and frequent connections from campus to the Bob Billings Hub. Yes. Um, and and like one example would be this Route 100, which would run very frequently, let's say every 10 minutes from campus to the Bob Billings Hub, and then you would okay. have this yeah, route. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of those obviously is more preferable to you. The yeah, other yeah. scenario may be more preferable to somebody else. We, we hope, I mean, we'll, we'll make note of what yeah. you're telling us. Um, I was just realizing because I just realized we all go and someone yesterday pointed me out, hey, you should go and watch, this is happening. I was like, what is happening? And then this one, I was like, okay. So I was, so I thought let's join today and see what's the new change. Because not yeah. many people actually, especially students are not really interested whenever they get any email from transportation, they really skip it. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe since you just joined us, we should back and repeat the from the beginning of the meeting, which is these two uh -huh. scenarios were taking feedback and then they will okay. be okay. synthesized into a final proposal that will Ex then also get have an yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah. for feedback. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. That's why I just thought of giving my uh, like opinion of this is what is with the KU students. Maybe all can decide at the end. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if there's other, as we go along, if there's other um, trips that you make frequently and you want to point them out, we'd love to hear them. Um, sure, and, sure. Okay. So the most well, people I've seen here, we use is the 9, 10, and the 11, basically. Okay. I would okay. say this is also an opportunity because this is, again, kind of one of those situations where there, there would be a microtransit option in that corridor, correct? Okay. So, or there could be. So, um, again, it's one of those things where, you know, understanding exactly what that looks like it, it um, would, would hopefully be a, a good alternative scenario and not a worse alternative scenario to have a, a microtransit connection straight down Bob Billings. Will there still be two buses right uh, that goes down up and down basically? Well the number of buses is um, something that we don't think of it in terms of number of buses. We think of it in terms of frequency of service. Frequency of service. Yeah. So to achieve a certain frequency, obviously you need a certain number of buses, but that's the number of buses is a little bit irrelevant. We we want to ensure that there's the right right frequency of service on every route. Um, so, but that's not. We haven't gotten to that point yet. Okay. We're first covering. Uh, talking about coverage, in other words, where should service go, and then we will make recommendations on frequency. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Understood. Understood. Uh, Joe? Yeah, I was going to ask if um, at certain times of day, there's a lot more students on the bus, like in the mornings and in the late afternoon. And I'm wondering if any thought has been given to having more like a direct service from certain places at certain times of day that maybe are not part of the fixed, uh, the, the, you know, the regular daily hmm. fixed route system, like, you know, down Clinton Parkway, like out towards out like west of Castle, there's a bunch of apartment buildings and a bunch of students who take like the 29 or whatever to, uh, to, to campus. So I'm wondering if like, say in the morning, like before 10 or in the afternoon after three or four, maybe there could be a, a, a commuter kind of route as it were. Uh, sure, I mean, that's done. You, sometimes there are kind of overlay services um, to deal with overcrowding, if that's if that becomes an issue. Um, what I thought you were going to ask about is whether it's been considered to have ver uh, to, 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 ver to have variable schedules. In other words, during peak periods you have higher frequency, during off peak you have lower frequency, and mm -hmm. and that's um, not something that's been done. Uh, it's not something that's currently being done for most Lawrence Transit routes, but it is it's something that 
is uh, we very likely going to be recommended um, to identify the times of day where higher frequency is justified and then times when lower frequency is justified in order to preserve resources and mm -hmm. you know put service where it's needed most yeah um, i was also i was also addressing the the issue of like uh, uh buses going directly to ku mm -hmm. like without having to go through the hub um you know, I'm sure you all have run the numbers and figured out like how much ridership you're going to pick up versus how much you're going to lose. But, um, you know, I, I teach at KU, so I know the student body, you know, fairly well. And just uh, like the more obstacles you put, you know, the more the more steps there are to go through. I mean, um, the less likely they are to, to do it. Um, and yeah, no, that's those are all really good points. I mean, what we hope to do is identify maybe how we can achieve what you're describing through interline opportunities. Um, in other words, if you have a route mm -hmm. that ends, you know, comes from different directions, but goes through the hub, maybe there's opportunities to through route, what's called through routing, mm -hmm. yeah. where you take two routes and you interline them to achieve what you're describing and let, even though most people may not be riding through, some significant subset is. And so you can market that in, for example, you pick up a schedule for one route and at the end of a particular trip, it says this bus continues on to bus X or to bus Y. So people know if I just stay on the bus, I'll have a one seat ride through to some other destination. So that that's something that can be considered as well. Uh, Boris, this is quiz. Uh, one other point I kind of wanted to just hit on real quick to Joe's point about teaching. You know, and again, this has been for several years now, a lot of the routes have been designed to get students, you know, to and from class right before class starts, right? And so that we're now looking that if, if those traditionally have been 30 minute headway to get students there 10 minutes earlier, you know, five minutes earlier, right before classes start, you know, if we do throw something else in there that now makes it, you know, getting to class now five minutes later, the students now looking at the opportunity of having to catch that bus, you know, one whole trip earlier just to try to get to class still on mm -hmm. time, if that kind of makes sense. I know what I'm trying to say, but um, so we'd still we still Make have to kind of try quiz. to. Yeah, we still have to try to find a way to get students to campus at 10 till and five till if classes are on the hour or, you know, or mm -hmm. 20 or 25 after if they're on the half hour. So, mm -hmm. okay. Right. Okay. Um, let's go on to 11 and um, we'll, we'll talk about 11 and 38 together. Um, Mindy, this, this I think is going to be uh, of interest to, to you in particular. So these two routes, the 11, which is the blue line shown here, and the 38, which is the red line, these two routes are both designed to get people from the hub um, Bob Billings Hub through campus and then down through areas of very um, high density student off campus housing, as well as retail destinations. So, and, and it's an inner line again. So, the 38 would travel um, through campus via the Daisy Hill, um, sorry, Irving Hill, Irving Hill Road, um, and uh, yeah, 18th Street. Then it would come down Stewart to pick up again multifamily housing through there. Um, then down Clinton Parkway and pick up the various apartments that are um, south of Clinton Parkway. And then those folks are connect. And then this, this route comes in to, it, it does the, the loop of the retail um, areas and apartments through here, 
Walmart, Target, and then ends at the reserve. Whereas the blue line, the 38, um, then takes over and it serves the apartments on the other side, on the west side, sorry, on the east side of Iowa, um, comes up Naismith Street. It's a bit more direct, goes through the heart of campus, Naismith to 15th, and then ends up um, at the Bob Billings Hub. So, so these have a much more direct penetration of campus, and they are intended, and these are, these are long routes, but very few people would be riding um, all the way through because, you know, most people would come, there's the, the biggest concentration of housing is in through here. So people um, may choose this route or this route to get to campus more directly. They also would have direct access to retail because they're, these two routes would be interlined, meaning they both would serve Target and Walmart and other retail destinations in through here. Um, so does this uh, look any better to you in terms of the needs of foreign students? Well, are they both going both ways then? Yes, they're both going okay. both ways. Yes, exactly. So the red line, uh, the red line would come this way, get to the reserve, and then do the blue line. The blue line would come this way at the to the reserve, and then do the red line. So the, in in effect, both routes, both lines would have bi-directional service. Yeah, I mean, I think this looks better, you know, because it actually goes up on campus. It's you know helpful. Um, and then there's the Route 100 that goes between the, you know, the service center to downtown. So I think that would work. Because um, I know for our students, you know, those are the big ones. And we, we often have internships that take students, you know, in much different places. But, um, you know, I think these are some big ones for international students, at least okay. ones that live on campus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is um, the way that we always intended this to happen is, you know, these are these may be more popular from scenario two, we can combine it with route 10 from scenario one, and then slowly, slowly, slowly build a, uh, you know, hybrid scenario that hopefully meets the needs of the greatest number of people possible. So glad you are on this call. <laughs> All right, so that's the uh, 11. Let's continue to the 27. 27 is unchanged from before. Um, it connects all the um, educational institutions in Lawrence, not all, but uh, a good number of them. The 29 is also unchanged. So that's the fast connection to the Bob Billings hub from the neighborhoods south of Clinton Parkway near Wakarusa. 100 is also unchanged from scenario one and 34 is unchanged from scenario one. 36 and 38 are, chain, are a bit different. So let me bring those up. Okay, so 36, um, the 36 is very, very similar to the current 36 with one main difference. The current 36 um, ends south of 6th Street. It turns around um, here on, uh, I believe it's Sonic Drive, if I'm not mistaken. Is all right. It's gateway. gateway. It goes gateway. around Sonic. Yeah, gateway, right. Oh, Sonic Drive. <laughs> yeah, gateway. Um, there's a concentration of apartments through here uh, where there are a lot of students. Um, instead, we are recommending that it uh, do a kind of terminal loop north of 6th Street. There's an apartment complex here called the Frontier. Um, and, and it's a fairly large apartment complex. So by doing a loop this way, 
It captures another multifamily housing uh, complex where students could choose to live. It also serves the one, the folks who live in, in the apartments here would still have access. They just need to get, make their way to 6th Street um, to catch the bus. They wouldn't even have to cross the street if they're going into campus. They just pick it up on the same side of the street, although they would have to cross the street coming back unless they wanted to ride around and then get, get off on the way back in. So that's 36. Then 38, which we talked about already. And 41 and 42, which restore, 41 and 42 are um, very similar to in scenario one, except instead of um, extending to the union, both routes instead do the same kind of uh, campus one-way loop um, with Sunnyside and Jayhawk Boulevard that the current uh, 41 and 42 do. So um, I'm curious, uh, Mindy or anybody else uh, that's sort of affiliated and uh, Anoop maybe, do you have a preference on whether you, you, if you had to choose between service on Sunnyside and service to the union, um, which one of those is preferable? I mean, the, the, the loop there gets you so close to the union. I mean, it's, you know, what, not even a five minute walk. So, I mean, going up to GSP, you know, like the other routes wherever that's good for the people that live up there, but I don't think there's a huge population of students. I mean, there are quite a few apartments up there. So, you know, maybe, um, but it's a, it's a flatter area. So it's a little bit more difficult and there's, you know, other transportation. So I think that one's good, but I'm not sure it really matters okay. um, for our international students per se. I don't know, Anoop, do you have any? Like I've seen 41, uh, I've always seen the 41, but we usually take, we go to West Campus because there are a lot of labs available. So we usually come to campus and take 41. We, we have taken 39. I don't know which the, is 41 and 42 that goes from the, from the dorm areas. Uh, I don't remember exactly now. Yes, it should 41, be the 41 and, it's a yeah, 41 and 11. Okay. So usually I've seen the 41, maybe we have taken 41 a lot recently uh, that goes from the, so we take the bus stop from 15, uh, sorry, the College of Engineering. So it should be 41, but I have also taken the 43 in the past where we used to go to uh, the Hayworth lab, which is here near the Naismith Drive, basically. So I think the 43 also is a, is, is a better route that has been shown right now because right. it goes through Naismith 19th, uh, which is another kind of route where people live along. There are a lot of dorms here. The current, you're talking about the current 43. Okay. The yeah, green so, one's the current, right? Uh, no, the red, this red line is the current 43. Oh, and it actually, okay. it actually is the proposed 43. There's no changes proposed for the 43. Okay. Um, the green line is showing the 41. And okay. this is the current 41 looks like, looks like this. Okay. And it, it does a one-way loop, um, oh, and then okay, it, okay. It, it loops through here. So the main difference is we're proposing to send it down Naismith to get it closer to the rec center um, okay, and 19th okay. Street versus um, Irving Hill. Wasn't 42 bus is the bus that goes through the rec, rec center and the Watkins center? So the 42 does. We're proposing a different 42. So oh. let me show you what we're proposing. So this is, I'll turn off 41. This is the 42 that we're proposing. 
It would operate from the Bob Billings hub uh -huh. oh, through okay. Irving Hill Road to the okay. rec center and then this loop and then back. Okay. Yeah, I think this change, change, change is also good. So people uh, from the West Campus can also go here through the rec center as well, which is a direct route. Mm -hmm. basically. So yeah, I, I like the 42 and, and the 43 both. And I know the, the 42, I think it is now like right there, you know, going um, past Naismith Hall through the rec center, that is like a really busy route right now. Yeah. Um, so busy that, you know, if you take it too close to camp to class that you're not going to get on it. Um, yeah, so. the, the issue, the current 42 provides mostly one-way service. So yeah. um, that's it, it's that's one of the reasons I, I believe that it's so overcrowded because people are forced to stay on longer than they would like to. Um, there's kind of the overlap of people who are already on the bus and are trying to get off and new people getting on um, because it is one-way service. So in this scenario, the trips, most people's trips would be shorter. So if let's say you're at the rec center, or let's say if you're in the heart of campus, you can go to the rec center. If you're West Campus, you can go to the rec center. But most people are not going to be riding through beyond where they actually want to go, um, with right. the exception of this end of the line loop. Okay. Okay. So I had always a question: like the 41, 42, 43 are the internal circulating buses that goes smaller areas from West Campus to our campus mainly. Uh, so they don't run in the summer, right? Or they do run? They, yeah, so they don't. 41 run. has a B schedule, but 42 and 43 do not. Okay, so 41 does run on B schedule. Yeah, so Anu, yes. um, I'm not sure you saw the discussion, but we are ta we, we talked earlier about the possibility of what's called microtransit service. Okay. And micro microtransit service operates like Uber and Lyft, but it uh -huh. uses um, uh, buses that are um, more appropriate for transit, more appropriate for shared rides like minivans or cutaway, cutaway like small minibuses. Um, so we um, kind of envisioned having the either the, the entire city mm -hmm. and maybe an overlay um, at KU be served by microtransit, meaning you dispatch it from your cell phone. So the vehicle comes to you as needed. Is that something that you think you and your um, peers would, would be interested in using? Uh, so is like the one that you're telling from going from our lab to campus or maybe West Campus? It would go wherever you, you would want it to go. So it's a zone, oh. it's a zone structure. So let's say okay. yeah, the zone would be this boundary here, this okay. red area. Okay. So within within that zone, you could take it from it's it would be very much like Uber. Okay. Um, you dispatch it like have you used Uber before? Uh yes. 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 So, so yeah, so you would use it within the confines of the designated zone. In, in one scenario, um, in the first scenario, there are s s uh, four zones. And so you can use it with, within um, each zone. You can't go beyond the zone. In the second scenario, you can use it citywide, but it would be a distance-based pricing. Okay. Um, the, the reason I bring this up is because in the summer, when some of the routes that you are used to using mm -hmm. during the long semester when they're not running, this could be an option for you to okay. um, use it on demand. Is So what are your thoughts on that? I think especially the, the campus is not a big issue because there are still few buses like 11, 10, they do run on some, in the summers because I think 
but they, they might are, not on these new schedules. Oh, they might not on this new schedule. Not even on. Uh, so that means in the new schedule, on summer times, they won't even run on B schedules. This would be something that will be in the last scenario. This oh. particular scenario is just talking about what path they would take. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The schedules are to be determined, um, but regardless of what they are, it's very likely that there will be some routes that are not running during during the summer. I mean, that's that's a very likely scenario. So, if that's the case, we Wait, hope sorry. to. Isn't ten the city route basically? Ten and eleven right now are city routes. Yeah, I think oh. so. Right. Yes. The yeah. ones that don't run in the summer now are anything numbered thirty and higher. So everything oh, okay. below that number. Is normally runs year round right now. Okay, okay, okay. So they will run. So that is at least good because the way, uh, so about 30 are usually the internal circulating buses, like the campus buses or the bus which goes towards the, I think, the, except the 38 that you showed just now, uh, the, the other one. So when you say, so yeah, if the, there is something called micro transit and if it is at a cheaper rates, then that can be affordable to students who are a little bit far away from the uh, from the campus and they would like to visit the campus during those times. So I'm not sure how cheap it would be or like, is, is it like a safe ride thing, right? You just book it through app. The only thing is exactly. you have to pay basically. Well, it may, it may, the fares would, is, is also a topic that we're still, we still need to determine. Um, if you're in scenario two, where you have the citywide service and the KU service, there, if you're a KU student, um, you may be able to, to use one of the zones free of charge um, or not technically free. It would come from your student fees, but um, the citywide zone, you may need to uh, pay a fare. Typically, oh, yeah. it's, not, it's not very expensive, like 2 or $3 or you know, up to $5, but that's, that's how this is envisioned. So because I, I usually take the nightline services when safe ride don't work in sometimes summer or in, in in fall break or like something like that, they charge like $2. You just book it basically. basically. And that was also a best thing that we usually do during when safe rides don't work. I guess this is similar. This is very similar. It's a little bit um, more refined, maybe you could say. It's uh, the interface is more like Uber and Lyft. But okay. it's it's similar to what you're describing with safe ride. Okay, because I was I, I'm not sure if the if the nightline services can be used over there. That basically, uh, you just do a pre-booking thing or something, or mm -hmm. even an app booking can also in an advanced way. Because nowadays we're still doing the phone booking for the nightline. Correct. So this would also in these scenarios replace the nightline. So instead of having the nightline- It can also work in the daytime, basically. Uh, in the daytime, in the night, and yeah. it would be dispatched um, from an app. App. Yes. That would, because that will serve the purpose when buses are not running and uh, and uh, based on the number of people booking the rides, that the, that's the only way the buses can work. So they don't have to worry about just roaming around without having passengers within. Exactly. Right. So if, those, uh, if the nightline service can also be activated during the daytime as well, uh, during these times when buses are not running, that, that can serve the purpose. And yeah. that the fees yep. also are minimal, like $2 is not a bad for KU students. They usually, they can afford easily. Right. Yeah. I guess one of my concerns is like Joe said that, you know, a lot of students, especially 
domestic students, I think even more than international students, are going to take the path of the least resistance if if they can get, you know, free within, you know, the KU area or, um, you know, low cost micro transit, they're going to want to do that instead of the buses. So my thought is like, you know, we really need to incentivize them to take the main line somehow. Mm -hmm. um, Very yeah, good just, thought. Just a thought. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a really good thought, actually. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. Like, and that's The red zone is the campus zone, right? So if we reserve or if you book anything to go to campus, will that be a, like a lowest cost or like a free of cost? So the red, again, this is still to be determined, but the red zone okay. may be during late late nights when okay. the fixed routes begin to um, phase out mm -hmm. and maybe on weekends as well. So we definitely want to uh, take into consider consideration what Mindy is saying. We don't want to disincentivize fixed route use. We want to um, first and foremost um, uh, incentivize people to use the fixed routes. When the fixed routes are not available, either geographically or by time of day or day of week, that's when we want people to consider the yeah. microtransit service. Exactly. What my, what my point was the same. I'm, uh, uh, so is that when the buses are not running, especially during the weekends or something like that, then we right. can, then my suggestion was the same as uh, uh, Mindy said, basically. Yeah. Uh, using yeah. the daytime transit period, like. Yep. Something. Okay, so the last route that um, I didn't cover, but I'll just quickly cover, is the 43. That's the last route, and it's the same. It's the same one as in scenario one, and it's the same one as current. So um, no changes there, and that gets us all the way through both scenarios. Are there um, any chat comments that I should address, Adam? I don't believe so. I was looking here. I just sent one um, go to ask a question about ridership, and I can share that with the group. So just a question about percentage of students in our current ridership. Um, and I'll answer part of this and let Margareta correct me or add on. But in a non-pandemic year, typically have around 3 million rides, and about two-thirds of that is attributed to KU students. And um, I believe on city only route or the city funded routes. Um, I believe it's around 15% of those rides to you students. Is that in the neighborhood? Um, the city routes that don't touch campus. The last time I did a tally, it was 17% of KU ridership. The K city routes that do hit campus have around 85% KU ridership. That's route 10 and 27. And then the coordinated routes that are co-funded by both of us have around 95% KU ridership and the KU routes have 99% KU ridership. And the, the co-ones that would be like the number 11? 11 and 29, yeah. Yeah, yeah, 11 is huge. Okay. Um, wow. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Is there a comment? Oh, no, I was just, I was just uh, explaining over the high percentages of students. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was a surprising number to me, too, when I did it. <laughs> I was surprised that it was that high. Well, you know, I mean, even students that, you know, commute in, they don't want to leave their cars because you know you leave your cars and try to go somewhere else you lost your parking spot you might not get another one so um yeah 
And I think, you know, like if you could get rid of some of the barriers for some of these apartment complex and get them in fast, there would be even higher numbers of, of students riding. I could be wrong, but. Well, and I think, I think I'm making a very generalized statement when I say this. If there is a bus route that's going to an apartment complex, there's a lot of students riding it, obviously, instead of driving into campus. If there's, you know, maybe a bus route that does try to go out west, you know, that's where we start to see the, the timing maybe reach a, a longer threshold than maybe what the student wants. Um, and that's where we'll start to see, you know, more drive, more traffic driving in uh, from those distances that are further out. Yeah. Um, and in general, I'm making a statement that is, I don't want to say it's uneducated, but there is no, right, there's no data to, per, to back up what I'm saying. I think 95% of folks that live so far out at one of those big apartment complexes, I think if they choose to live out there, they have transportation. That's my, yeah. my general thought, but. You're probably right. Um, <clears throat> and I mean, it might be something to consider, like, you know, we could do like a smaller survey for international students in particular, um, you know, about like where they live, which routes they take, you know, what's their kind of threshold for time um, for getting into campus, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it, it's something to consider, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we could do a focus group with international students if you if you would i mean I, I just sent an email to mindy to set up a meeting with us next week to talk okay. about that stuff also okay. mindy there's a parking forum next week that has a survey attached to it that the broadcast message just went out while we were in this meeting okay. and hope it also has some what routes do you ride and type of questions okay. in it just as our part of our generic survey. And so hopefully we'll get some feedback through that, but we could certainly. And that went out to the whole KU community, Margreta? Yes. Should okay, be I'll, in your email when you get back to it. I'll ask Tiffany to try to highlight that in next Monday's, um, you know, international student newsletter type thing. So. Well, I, in my email to you, I, asked you about if I could provide some information. So please do okay. look for that and I'll, we can okay. discuss. Okay, sounds good. So, so the last thing I wanted to just quickly touch on is the survey that um, Mindy, you said, and uh, somebody else, I think, was it, I forgot, Elizabeth, maybe somebody said that they had a little bit of a hard time navigating it. So it's on the Lawrence Transit website. Um, once you click on it um, and you get to the survey itself, there is a, a link called interactive map. Um, and if you click on that interactive map, this is what comes up. And um, it's a little bit challenging maybe to figure out what to do with this um, uh, when you first bring it up, but there's a little icon at the top and that icon brings up a whole bunch of sort of this menu list. The menu list has the current system. You can zoom in and, and see it. You can then turn that off. You can see scenario one and zoom in to see it. Um, scenario and scenario two as, as well. Then you can turn those on and off. And then once you, after those scenarios, you can actually go through route by route. And you can see, for example, current route one, you click that on. And if you zoom in, that's, that's what it looks like. Oops. Zooming too fast, hold on. Okay, then you then below it is scenario one, route one in a different line style and scenario 
to route one. So you can kind of see current scenario one, scenario two. And that style is repeated for every group of routes. So um, after you're done with looking at route one, you can look at route two and this, or sorry, route three in the same way, route three and scenario one and then scenario two. And you can go through and compare any routes to each other. It's um, not the best solution maybe because um, the color coding here is based on scenario. So if you were to look at, for example, scenario um, one, route one, scenario one, route one, and scenario uh, one, route three, they both show up orange. So that's a little bit confusing that way if you're looking at them as a network, but if it, a better way to look at them as, as a network is to turn on scenario one, all routes. Um, but that's how you navigate this. Uh, hopefully you can get the hang of it once you really get into it. And then once you do look at the routes, um, you can go back and um, then maybe answer some of the survey questions that are posed here. Hopefully that helps a little bit. Okay, well, um, that is what we wanted to cover today. Um, uh, thanks so much for all of the feedback because there's really more feedback than we've gotten, uh, at least that I've, I've, on, on the meetings that I've been on. So thank you so much for that. Um, it really, really does help. And we, at the end of the day, want to develop a network that meets the needs of all the, all the riders, you know, KU riders, Lawrence Transit City riders, everybody. So in order to do that, we have to have feedback. We have to understand what's important to people, what their priorities are. So please fill out the survey if you can, spread the word about it, maybe help people figure out how to take it if they can't figure it out on their own. And um, yeah, so we're, we'll, we'll, we'll await to see the results. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All. Thank you, everyone. Okay, have a good day.